following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on, around Tomatoes, and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2004's National Treasure, directed by John Turtletaub, starring Nicolas Cage, Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha, John Voight, Harvey Keitel, Sean Bean, and Christopher Plummer. National Treasure is a 2000 2004 mystery adventure heist film. It currently holds a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Benjamin Franklin Gates descends from a family of treasure seekers who've all hunted for the same thing, a war chest hidden by the founding fathers after the Revolutionary War. Ben's close to discovering its whereabouts, as is his competition, but the FBI is also hip to the hunt. Okay, National Treasure. This is the winner of the Listener's Choice poll. Once again, this is an extremely close Listener's Choice poll. I blame Kevin for this, 100%. You're welcome. Kevin here is a grassroots activist, like the Stop, Sopa, and Pippa people. Yep, I went black for a day. You were, <laughs> he blacked out. <laughs> yeah, I reached out to the people, and the people responded. I tried to stop the people. You did. And the people kind of responded. Well, at first, when I tried to do this, more people started voting for Ghost Rider. Yeah, out of spite, yeah. which, which I approved of. Petty yeah. spite. Yeah. National Treasure won by two votes. Okay, National Treasure, what's your history with this? Uh, I saw it on DVD, or on Showtime, or Stars or HBO. I didn't see it in the theater. I had no interest in it <laughs> at all. And it was bad when I saw it on TV. I also saw this when it came out on DVD and I had a good time watching it. I enjoyed this movie. I actually watched it, I believe, the first time with you, Kevin, if you remember. I don't. <sighs> date night? It was a hot date night. I enjoy doing a lot of fun activities in the city, kind of offbeat sort of thing. So I've done scavenger hunts and things like that. At the time, Kevin was living in Baltimore and I found one that was taking place in Washington, D.C., and our whole group of friends, we all went down to visit you in Baltimore. We all got together to do the scavenger hunt in Washington, D.C., and the night before, we got ourselves psyched up by watching National Treasure starring Nicolas Cage. That's right, we did! I totally forgot about that! <laughs> it was a good time. By the way, for those curious, we failed at that scavenger hunt miserably. Yeah, we did. How did it... How, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm kind of curious. How did it disintegrate? Did you guys start off strong? We, we had too many, too many people. Too many people. Too many people. Let's do we always do at the top of the show. Let's discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Nicolas Cage. Raging Cage? The Raging Cajun. The <laughs> is that a fly? What's his name? No, I don't think it does. He didn't have as much facial explosiveness in this movie, which is what I'm looking for in a Cage movie. And he wasn't his bored Nicolas Cage either. He was just super smug. Oh, he was a prick in this movie. Yeah. He was a prick. He was just like very smug, know-it-all, very arrogant. And uh, I don't know if that's what his character was supposed to do, but it wasn't your traditional Nicolas Cage other than the torch. And I don't know. That, maybe that's why I don't like this movie too much. I thought I was going to get Cage and I got something else. Yeah, he was very subdued. He was. He didn't get really excited. Even in the in the most tense situations, he was like the most calm person in the room. It really upset me. Very uncharacteristic for a Cage performance, but I thought he did a good job. Yeah, this is very middle of the road Cage, I think. No, Wicker Man, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for damn sure. Oh, man. You're always going to get a baseline on Nicolas Cage. When, it's very rare that you say like he was bad, right? When you're like, oh, he was terrible. You're guaranteed at least a certain level okay. of quality with the mm-hmm. cage. He did just the bare minimum to skate by. Okay, next up, Diane Kruger. She's okay. She didn't stand out as excellent or, or poor to me. She's would, fine. Would you have preferred Catherine Heigl in this No. <laughs> 
That's a firm no. <laughs> What's the matter? She's movie poison. <laughs> Whoa, what? Name one instance. Name one of her movies. <laughs> Why are we swapping out actresses? <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> the one we got is just kind of bland. So why, yeah. Why not? I didn't think her acting was poor. No, me neither. She was good. Yeah, she was solid. All right, next up, Justin Bartha, comic relief guy. This guy I had a problem with because he didn't give me any relief, comedic or otherwise. He gave me anxiety. He, he had a hell of a goatee. <laughs> he, he gave me comedic patch. anxiety and he, he was annoying. Did he annoy you? Yeah, he did. He bothered me. Kevin? Yeah, he, he didn't do it for me either. He was not funny once. Basically, all his character was was to give one-liners here and there. None of them hit. I don't know how much of it was his fault. I mean, they were really bad one-liners he was supposed to be delivering. Now compare him to Simon Pegg in Mission Impossible 4, which is essentially the same character. But written competently? Yeah, with yeah. great line delivery and yeah, he's pretty good. comedic timing. Alright, fine. Yeah, he's pretty good. Let's... Yeah, you're gonna bring up Mission Impossible 4, I'm just gonna gush all over it. Next up, <laughs> Harvey Keitel. He wasn't really in it all that much. I mean, he, didn't I have was many in lines. he was in it. He didn't have that many I lines. I saw him, he talked. Yeah, he said a few lines. He's alright, whatever. He he acted like the father from Meet the Fockers. Like, very matter-of-fact, kind of, in his speech and delivery. <laughs> Speaking of which, John Voight, Angelina Jolie's papa, what'd you think? Yeah, he's pretty good, actually. I liked him. Oh, you liked him, man? Yeah. yeah, he was He was kind of doing Tour it. Tour de Force? Powerhouse. Powerhouse, sure, yeah. In this yes. movie? Next up, the only person I care about in this movie, my man, my main man, Sean Bean. I'm gonna say this right now. You put Sean Bean in a movie, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna toss some extra stars in there. <laughs> just, for, just for his presence. Love this guy. Love him. This guy's a powerhouse. What'd you think? I thought he was good. Is it written in his contracts that he has to play someone that double crosses? Ah, uh, he's an expert at double crossing. It's, he always does that. He's Trevelyan. He's born and raised to double crosser. He, now... <laughs> <laughs> How would you raise a kid to double cross someone? <laughs> like, how would you raise a kid to double cross someone? He is really good at double crossing. Fantastic. He's really good at it. So good. He has cornered the market on the double crosser. No one points a gun at you and threatens you like this man can. Unbelievable. Has he been in anything else that we've watched on this stupid show? I don't think so. Okay, so in final summation, your thoughts on the acting? It was passable. Yes, I agree. Par. For the course? Excellent. All right, National Treasure. So this movie starts off with an old man cornering a kid. Cornering? In an attic mm-hmm. and having his way with them. Pretty much. Gramps quarters his grandchild in the attic and starts telling him the story. And it's basically about this treasure that's existed since at least the Egyptian times. And it shows it being uh, fought over in Egypt and then the Knights Templar finding it. And apparently they take it to America eventually as the Masons. Yeah, they said that the treasure was so big, no one man should ever have it. So they, they hid it away. So the grandfather tells this little kid the story about the treasure and how their family has been involved with it since the beginning and mm, the family secrets revealed in the dark of the attic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more than one boy I know has had that happen to him. It's at this point that you get a flash cut forward into the future to Nicolas Cage in the Arctic. They're out there looking for an ancient ship which they find him, Sean Bean and the comedic relief guy they find this ship under the snow. So that they find this boat that's been under the ice for eons. <laughs> Epochs. <laughs> Just the dawn of man. Just the dawn of man. This this boat has been frozen solid. This boat's been there for a very long time. It's frozen on the ice. I'd imagine it'd be very brittle, right? Probably.
probably frozen yep. solid. So they're running down there, stomping around on their feet. Wouldn't everything just be collapsing under their feet? Yeah, probably. And they find this very beautifully crafted gilded chest, and inside of it is the finest pipe I've ever seen. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, describe it, Kevin. Carved ivory. Oh yeah, just like Nemo's car <laughs> <laughs> in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Was it made by the same artist? Absolutely. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Nicholas Cage immediately stabs himself and oozes blood all over this pipe. For a guy who has a lot of respect for the past and for history and for artifacts. He doesn't care about this one. Yeah, he, he spits he <laughs> blood all over it. Now is the time when Sean Bean does what he does best and pulls a quick little double cross here. He yeah, they don't waste any time. Nah. He double cross comes immediately. <laughs> He didn't want to double cross him, I don't think, though. I think he wanted to work with him. And Nick Cage just had to push the issue. I'm glad you bring that up because one of the core plot elements of this movie is Nicolas Cage versus Sean Bean. Good guy versus bad guy. But I'm going to argue that there is no bad guy. They're both equally bad people. Yeah, they're both in it for the personal monetary gain. Yeah, they're both thieves. I completely disagree. Why is Sean Bean bad? Because when Nicolas Cage figured out the riddle and figured out that the map to the treasure was on the back of the declaration, Sean Bean was the one that said, hey, I'm a criminal. I can steal it. And Nick Cage said, no, we're not doing that. He put his foot on the ground. He said, no. And that's when Sean Bean pulled the gun on him. And that's when Nick Cage decided to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. And then Nicolas Cage did the hypocritical thing and stole it himself. Touche. But if you know a a criminal who has no care of the document is going to steal it and then probably get rid of the evidence... Why wouldn't a good guy step in to steal it so that he can return it? It's shades of gray right here. They're, yeah. they're both doing the same thing. Shades of gray, and these colors don't run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't tread on me. <laughs> this whole movie, I was rooting for Sean Bean to win. That's because you're evil. I wanted those guys to win. So before we leave the Charlotte, I do have a question. How did we get here? How did they get to the Charlotte? Yeah. They took the Aerocopter. Uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> I know what your question is going to be. There was generations of them couldn't find the Charlotte. No one had any idea what the Charlotte was. And we start this movie just with Nick Cage finding the Charlotte. Uh-huh. How did that happen? Suspension of disbelief. I don't, we, we really don't need to know, right? That's just the thing that, it's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It starts everything off. Yeah, but I think that that's really important. Like, what did he find that everyone before him didn't? But theoretically, that could go infinitely back. They say in the movie that one clue leads to another, which leads to another, to another, to another, to another, so. Well, no, but see, but that didn't make any sense either because there's only been the one clue all along. It's always been the secret lies with Charlotte. That was always the first clue. How did we get to that point? I don't think you care. How can you tell that I don't care? That giant yawn? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the ship then explodes because it's full of gunpowder and... Yeah, would that gunpowder still work being under... Ice? Ice for millennia. Hey, hey, Miles, I know you're listening. Tell me, let me know. Can ancient gunpowder from the medieval times... It's not from medieval times. The like, medieval times? Like, it's from, like, War era. 1100 AD? It's from the can, 1700s. Can gunpowder from the Paleolithic era, <laughs> that's been in the ice for years, can that still go off if someone lights it with a spark, even though it's been encased in a frozen womb tomb for years? Let us know. Okay, so we cut back. They somehow escape this giant explosion in the ship, and they make their way back to come up with a plan to steal the Declaration of Independence before... For Sean Bean. Yeah. Because that's little, the only way to protect it. Some nice little Mission Impossible work here. Some Ocean Sean Bean stuff. is the best Mission Impossible team set 
I don't know. He had everything going for him. He had he had the machinery. He had the plan. He had like everything was down to us. 90 seconds, 30 seconds, a specific amount of time. It was very professional. Nick Cage was flying by the seat of his pants. He had no idea what he was doing. As it turns out, they both go to steal the Declaration of Independence at the exact same time. Who knew? But luckily, the Declaration is sealed in bulletproof glass. So when Nick Cage goes to grab it and Sean Bean busts his way through and sees that Nick has it, there's a gunfight, but Nick is able to shield himself. Yeah, I thought this part was kind of cool. I mean, he's carrying out that giant case and the bad guys show up at the end of the hallway and start opening fire and Nick Cage has got that big bulletproof uh, glass in front of him and he uses it as his shield. I thought it was pretty cool. Were you excited at this point? I was very excited. Thrilled. Edge of my seat. Oh. But it's at this time that he's starting to be investigated by Miss Kruger. Yeah. Yeah, she's starting to get suspicious. She's getting, she's getting suspicious. She's not sure he's on the guest list. Let me pose this question. Now that we've seen this movie and we know where all the plot threads go, Diane Kruger's character, you cut her out. Does the plot change? No. No. So does she exist merely to be Nicolas Cage's love interest? Yes. Yeah. And for him to have someone to save. He saves his dad at the end. Yeah. He can't kiss his dad and then go into like a big mansion at the end with him. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, but we talked about this in the show in the past, how a lot of these female supporting roles are just, they never give them anything to do. Well, she does, towards the end of the movie, kind of take the lead on they negotiating say, with- They say that, but we don't see it. Okay. Yeah, it's a- uh, Show, don't tell kind thing. It's shallow, and I don't know. Her character is ultimately unnecessary. There's not enough strong female leads in Hollywood, Kevin, and I blame you for that. Oh, me personally? frankly. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You're just another one of those male pigs. Is there more I can do? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so she makes her way out. Sean Bean grabs her, throws her in the van thinking that she has the declaration, finds out that it's a fake, and then she just starts swinging around on the back of a van. Oh my god, this woman. Like, so... She has a phenomenal grip. She's in the back of this van, the doors burst open, the vans are going down the street at 7,000 miles an hour. Being chased by the police, going through red lights, swerving at 90 degree angles every five seconds. Going through light speed. She's gripping... this door with all her might. Kevin, how do you think you would do hanging on the side of a door like that? Do you think you'd be able to hold on long enough? Yeah, I'd I'd actually probably be doing some (laughs) (laughs) chin-ups. Especially since the gala was that day. She probably couldn't hit the gym, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's getting her workout in. Yeah, you gotta get him in somewhere, you know. Nick Cage. P90X. Like, (laughs) hanging out the side of the truck. All right, so they escape unharmed, unscathed. They do a uh, little ironic, poetic justice here where Nicolas Cage double crosses Sean Bean. Oh, yeah. A double double cross? Yeah, a quadruple cross. <laughs> <laughs> they trick him, they give him a false map, and Nicolas Cage, the sidekick, and Dan Kruger, they all run off to John Voight's house to harass this old man in the middle of the night. Now that they've successfully stolen the Declaration of Independence, they're trying to find this hidden map that's behind it. So they start throwing lemon juice on it, they're smudging it with their fingers, they're licking it, they're, they're blowing, it. blowing their hot blowing air breath on hot it. kisses on it. All this <laughs> stuff. Wow, this is a fragile ancient document here. See? Handle with care. Kevin, you look like you're about to cry. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, why? Your eyes are all watery. They are? Yeah. I don't know why. I'm tired. You're, you're so tired you want to cry? Yeah. It's okay. This is a safe space. So you, can, <laughs> you can cry. There's no recording instruments or anything else. 
<laughs> no one will know. It'll yeah. be our little secret. <laughs> Go ahead. Let, 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 let it rip. Let it out. So they put the lemon juice on the back of the declaration and they heat it up with some uh, hair dryers and they get all these series of numbers off of it. Which correlate to letters that were written by Benjamin Franklin when he was 15 years old. So they need these letters that Benjamin Franklin wrote. So they had originally went to John Voight's house because he owned the original letters, but it turns out that John Voight donated them. So now... What a selfish prick, huh? uh, Yeah, what a jerk, right? They have to... he die. (laughs) Be rot in hell. Never getting any rest or peace. (laughs) (laughs) So they have to make their way to Philadelphia to the museum that these were donated to. Okay, so they had this little kid help them decipher the the riddle, and eventually it leads them to Philadelphia and the Liberty Bell. They were in Philadelphia. It leads them to Philadelphia and the Liberty Bell. They were already in Philadelphia. It leads them to Philadelphia and the Liberty Bell, where they find a little secret from Benjamin Franklin. He invented uh, something that is quite peculiar. Kevin? They were (laughs) trifocals? <laughs> pentafocals? Yeah, pe- yeah, yeah, pentafocals. He invented the world's first 3D glasses. You needed 3D glasses to read the next clue on the back of this was absoluticrous. I thought that once you figured out that you needed the 3D goggles, those goggles are really unnecessary because you can pick 3D goggles up anywhere. No, they weren't just 3D goggles. Oh, they were yeah. Way more than that. What were they, Kevin? What were they? Each lens had its own... Its own identity? <laughs> its own prescription? <laughs> you were yeah, it was every color you of the ra- that? every color of the rainbow. Because it wasn't just color, right? There was like a You were so passionate about these lenses. A different magnification for each lens. They all really? kind of work together. What? Yeah. I thought it was just like 3D glasses. No, it's more than that. Uh, 3D glasses are just blue and red. This had green. Uh, and some other colors, I think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about it. This is so ridiculous. So Benjamin Franklin invented... I mean, all right. I guess they're extrapolating because he did the bifocals that he made these super glasses. He kept the best inventions for himself. It shows what it looks like when Nicolas Cage is using these. It's a hologram. It's a hologram. <laughs> okay. Kevin? Yeah, okay. How is that possible? Magic? Yeah, I mean, Dark like... magic? Yeah, like, how... Like, light can't do that. How is he, how is he able to do that? Whatever. Yeah, so he gets these magic spectacles that Benjamin Franklin got from the back of a comic book or something in 1776. Cereal box. Yeah, he got out of a Cracker Jack box <laughs> in 1776, and it leads him on another clue. That takes them to New York City underneath <sighs> Trinity Church. Yeah, this is fun for me because I work within walking distance of this spot where the treasure is. So that's fun for me, I guess. Hooray. Hooray for me. I'm so, yeah, I'm so hey, cool. Yeah, wow, cool. I don't think... <laughs> Holding signs in a park means you're working. Ah, topical. So this guy. Hate fueled rant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's around this point where we find out that Sean Bean's character, as Nicolas Cage states, Sean Bean has unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. That's not an exaggeration because this guy has a, an army of helicopters and assassins and vehicles, a Personal submarine. submarines. Oh, he's got it all. Kevin, what are your thoughts on this issue? Well, I mean, they set the stage pretty early. I mean, where did they get those Arctic cars they were driving around <laughs> in? I mean, those things don't look cheap. Arctic cars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the guy's loaded. He's, he's a criminal mastermind. He's got unlimited, though. Why does he need this treasure? Kevin. <laughs> 
<laughs> fame and fortune. Yeah, well, eventually Harvey Keitel and the FBI, they catch up with Nicolas Cage, they capture him, but they set up a sort of a sting operation to double cross Sean Bean yet again. So much double crossing going on. Triple where cross. Sh- where Sean Bean double crosses Nicolas Cage while he's working for the FBI. But right when you thought you got double crossed enough, you're going to get double crossed again because it's then revealed that Diane Kruger had double crossed Sean Bean, who double crossed <laughs> Nicolas Cage, who double crossed the FBI. I feel like I got double crossed watching this movie. <laughs> they set up this sting operation on top of the Intrepid, which is an aircraft carrier in New York. It's a museum, and that's where they go. And it's pretty damn tall. Like, how tall do you think it is from the deck to the ocean? Probably about 100 feet. Uh, Maybe I'm, a little more. Let's say uh, double that. Yeah, you're actually right. It's probably it's probably about 200 feet, yeah. You think it's 20 stories? Uh, a little bit of that. Tri- triple that a little bit. Uh, All right, fact check this. Uh, no, it? like the deck of the Intrepid. It's probably about 150 feet up. Thousand feet. <laughs> what are... <laughs> It's the tallest. It's a hundred stories tall. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's probably about 10 or 15 stories up. Yeah, so Nicolas Cage is on top of this aircraft carrier. And in order to escape, he dives off of it. He does a triple gainer with a half twist <laughs> off of the aircraft carrier and into the ocean. Now, you had a bit of an issue with this. Of course I do. Like, <laughs> if you jump from that height onto anything, it would kill you. But, you know, he goes straight in. How can you prove that? Are you sure? I, I think there's a good chance you'd live. I think that there is a piss poor chance that you would live. Well, I guess people have survived jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And the George Washington Bridge, but it's it's not likely. The George Washington Bridge is a lot higher up than the Intrepid, but... 30,000 feet in the air? It's about 700,000 feet in the air. <laughs> Outer space. It's a space bridge. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it turns out in the end that they, they find the treasure hidden in Trinity Church on Wall Street. I have this question for you gentlemen. You fine gentlemen here today. So let's say this really did happen, right? Some sort of crackpot guy discovers this massive treasure beneath Trinity Church, and the church had no idea it was there. Nobody else had any idea it was there. This makes the national news. There's a big uproar. The legal battles over this must be insane, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so who owns the treasure? The church? Or does the city of New York own it because it's so deep under the city that the church doesn't have the permits that deep underground? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And does it go to the the treasure hunter who finds it? No. There's no way it goes to him. What ownership rights does he have over it just because he found it? Yeah. On someone else's property. It's either the the state or the property owners. I'm going to have to say that the base historical significance of all of these discoveries is going to probably take ownership away from from any one entity. I'd imagine the Egyptian government would want to say in this too, right? Because all that stuff was looted from them. I don't know. I thought you were the money man. Yeah. You had all the answers. I'm not the real estate expert. Money man Kevin. I thought you were a plutocrat. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, so that's it. That's the national treasure. It all ends on a happy note. They find the treasure to the end. Great stuff. Nick Cage also gets the girl. Nick Cage's hair bobs around <laughs> and then the credits roll. It flows a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the, the end. It's, like a, it's just like the Hudson River. Okay, so let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. 
An infantile excuse for an adventure yarn plays more like a triple cross between the Da Vinci Code, CSI, and The Amazing Race than Raiders of the Lost Ark. James Berardinelli, Real Views. Oh, one of my favorite guys. I love that guy. Yeah, he's very funny. National Treasure is not so much a no-brainer as a brain stunner. So audaciously ridiculous, you were initially intrigued and soon irritated by its incoherence. Liam Lacey, Globe and Mail. And finally, Rancid Cinematic Cheese. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Jeez. What is Rancid Cinematic Cheese? <laughs> okay, so this movie currently holds a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? I think it's worse than 44%. I think it deserves to be low 30s, high 20s. Do you really feel that way? Yeah, low 30s. Why is yeah. that? I don't remember the movie at all. It's completely forgettable. There's nothing, I don't know, really interesting about it to me. The acting wasn't bad, but I thought the story was totally incoherent. So, I mean, did the movie entertain me? I don't know. I don't remember. I saw you giggling and clapping the whole time. <laughs> With my juice bottle? <laughs> Like with, with my juice box. Down, like, yeah, 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 I was bouncing up and down. I don't think that the acting in this movie was poor. I think the story was really poor. I don't think the directing was bad either. It's just the story really bogs this movie down. And for that reason alone, it's really forgettable. And I just really didn't enjoy it. So I'm going to go with a two out of five. Harsh. For me, no, this movie isn't that bad. I like this movie. I liked it the first time I saw it, and I've liked it every time since then. And I go as far as to say, like, when this is on television, I'll watch it. It's competently made. The acting's passable. It's Nick Cage not going crazy. And it's fun. I found it to be a fun movie. So I actually will go with a four to five. As for me, is it really that bad? You know what? No, I don't think it's that bad. I like the movie enough this time around. You know, it's, it's not bad. It's not miserable, but it's not great either. So. So this is the perfect Saturday afternoon. I got nothing better to do. It's on TV movie. It fits that bill yeah. perfectly. But this is one of the worst kind of movies for us to review on the show. Like where there's nothing really outstanding about it. There's nothing too outrageous or egregious. It just it just is. You know, it's not really that fun to talk about. It's kind of boring. Blah. I don't know why people wanted us to review it so badly. I feel like Ghost Rider would have been the far superior choice. That movie is outrageous. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, well, the listener's choice poll, two points, so there you go. Yeah, this movie was okay. I'm going to give it a three out of five. So there we go. We did the cycle again. Two, three, four. Sweet. Yeah, not bad. Okay, we got some voicemails. I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press one. Hi, guys. It's Crystal from Phoenix again. Hey, guys. It's Brandon from Maryland. Hey, guys. Nicholas Cage here. Oh, the bad Nicholas Cage impersonator. You know me. It's JV. I remember watching National Treasure when it was first in theaters. I decided to look up on Wikipedia what type of movie this was because, honestly, I was pretty confused. It classifies this movie as a mystery adventure heist film. So already it's pretty convoluted. It's three different movies in one. It's got the Scooby-Doo mystery elements, the, uh, the Conan the Barbarian adventure angle, and then, like, the Get Shorty heist sort of thing going on. It's like three movies in one. It's not a good movie, but it's the best um, last day of school in like ninth grade anthropology movie, in the anthropology class movie. You know, it's, it's, it is the best movie to show to a class on like a day that doesn't count because grades are already in. It, it, it interests you just enough and it's sort of about something and we've all seen Indiana. It's, it's Indiana Jones for dumb people, but that's still pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, a lot of good stuff happened. A lot of fun stuff. Glad you guys uh, reviewed it. Hopefully you don't think it's that bad. I think next time we should do uh, Ghost Rider. Not the new one, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, but first one. My skull was on fire in that movie. Yeah. I really like National Treasure. It's a really good movie. It's, it's a good movie. It's okay if you're a kid. 
this is one of the first movies that I watched where I really learned that Nicolas Cage is not great, but he's fun to watch. Sometimes he's good, but most of the time he's not. And this is the first movie that, that kind of, you know, showed me that light. See, I can't even remember anything about this movie. I watched it two days ago. <laughs> There's several parts of this movie that are very interesting, but interesting doesn't make them good. That's the problem with this movie. Like, the action parts of it just don't make sense for me. He could have solved this whole problem by just going to the police. This is one of those movies where, oh, this movie could be five minutes long. His character's name, I think, is Benjamin Franklin Gates. Right there, I immediately set my expectations about eight notches lower. I do think it's the start of, like, crazy bad Nicolas Cage, though. So I'm happy about that, because he's fun to watch collapse. All right, well, I'm going to go with a, with a bang, so to say. Not the bees, not the bees. End of new messages. Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, I have some listener mail. Travis writes in and says, Hey, guys, I got a deep, dark history with the House of the Dead movie. Back in 2003, me and my then-girlfriend were in Vegas and played the House of the Dead video game, and because of our history with the game, she insisted that we watch the movie. Needless to say, that this movie sucked. Now, picture this. We walked back into a packed theater, and about 30 minutes in, a family in front of us got up and walked out. Now, up to this point, I've only heard stories about people walking out of movies. This was the first time I've ever actually experienced it. And as soon as the movie was over and the lights came back on, I turned around and half the theater was empty. I don't even remember what the movie was about. The only thing I remember was a young, nubile, debonair beefcake Erica Durant of Smallville fame. Ever since then, I've been ashamed to admit that I've actually watched that steaming pile of crap. Did he really say debonair beefcake? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. (laughs) Okay, Chris writes in and says, So, like I'd like to comment on Twilight New Moon, it's clear that while Jacob was naked and fearless, Bella's fear was naked, and Edward was dead inside, and guilt kept all three alive at the bottom. (laughs) Also, I was shocked to hear a while back about the shooting in the theater one fan emailed about. I live in the same area, and I'd actually heard from someone I know about the same shooting. The guy that emailed was accurate, but he left out the worst part. The theater gave no refund. Jesse writes in, Kevin, how can you call it real football when no real men play the sport. Oh! Whoa! <laughs> Response? I think real men run for like 90 minutes straight. Not American football players. They run for like five seconds and they take like five minute breaks in between. <laughs> Remember that uh, that article that came out that said that the average American football game it really only lasts, like, there's only 11 minutes of actual playtime in it? Yeah. Which speaks to this. Martin, I feel for you being a Jets fan. I've been a lifelong Raiders fan. There hasn't really been much to cheer about, but I digress. I feel your pain. I understand. Uh, let's see. Ashton writes in and says, Hey, guys, just a random question for y'all. Not too personal, but forgive me if it's already been asked. Is anybody on the show a moderate to hardcore gamer? If so, any specific taste as an RPG like Skyrim or FPS like Modern Warfare 3? I don't play video games nearly as much as I used to. I just don't have the time. No, either do I. I haven't played video games really in a few years, and I used to play them nonstop. Me too. After college, that went downhill fast. Yeah, Yeah, because then I had to start paying rent and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, when I was in college, I had all the time in the world. I I know, it was great. I would play everything. Like To answer your question about being moderate to hardcore gamer, I would reply that to myself 
a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I owned every major video game system that came out from like the 80s up. Virtual Boy? I almost bought one of those. <laughs> I, I came close to buying one. I would say from the ages 5 to 21 or 22, I'd, I would have considered myself a moderate to hardcore gamer. I play games all the time. I would play the stupidest crap like in high school, like the worst games. I would play them anyway. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm never going to stop playing video games. <laughs> never. Now, it's like, I don't have any time to that. Like, I don't even own a PlayStation 3, you know. You do, Kevin. Yeah, but I use it mostly just to watch DVDs and stuff. I don't really play games all that much. I've bought one video game in the past year. That was it. Yeah, it was Batman Arkham City. That's it. Yeah, these days, if I play video games, it's going to be one of the old games that I already have, like for PlayStation 2 or whatever. But I haven't beaten a video game since I was in college. You just don't have the time, right? Yeah, like, I'll play it for, I don't know, maybe probably like 20, 30 hours, and then like that's it. I move on. What was the last game you guys beat? Wind Waker? It was either that or X-Men Legends. Whatever one of those. I think for me it was Resident Evil 4. I can't even remember what the last game I beat was. I don't know. Sorry. If you'd have known me back in 2002, we could have a really in-depth discussion about, I don't know, Enter the Matrix or something. That's 2003. (laughs) Okay. Martin writes in and says, here's a question for you. What movie do you think should, for all intents and purposes, be terrible, e.g. bad dialogue, acting and script, but for some unknown reason, ends up being freaking brilliant? The Goonies. The Goonies has bad acting. The story's ridiculous. There's nothing coherent about it. The direction is... Well, I said it before. I love Speed Racer, and that has a lot of goofball stuff in it. How about you? I can't think of anything. Okay. Susan writes in and says, do your girlfriends have similar tastes in movies, or are there battles to be fought and won on movie nights? Kevin? (laughs) Yeah, actually, we have fairly similar tastes. There's there's not too many battles. There's never like a, hey, we have to go see you, me, and Dupree. (laughs) (laughs) No. I was supposed to go see We Bought a Zoo, but that hasn't happened yet. You did, you see Val- did you see New Year's Eve? No, no. no. Oh, you dodged that yeah, one. I dodged it. How'd you do that? I don't know. It, just, it never <laughs> happened. So You're never going to bring it yeah, up. Yeah, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> hey, didn't you want to go see New Year's Eve? <laughs> it got a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> How about you? No, no. We have similar tastes in movies for the most part. So it works out. What about you? <laughs> well, the girl I'm seeing now, we haven't been going out long enough. We're still in that stage where I'm showing her movies and then kind of gauging where she stands mm-hmm. on these things, you know? I have her trapped in a Skinner box and I just force her to watch movies <laughs> and, and push buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up, Scott writes in and says, Dear Joel, oh, I like this one already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing you today to beg for your help. I have scoured the depths of the internet, spoken to many top doctors in the field, and read through multiple tomes of literature on the subject, but I believe you, and you alone, Joel, are the only one who can help me. Whenever I shave, it feels like I'm pulling the hairs out of my face. (laughs) Instead of smoothly cutting them. Especially around my chin. I've tried different shaving gels and different razors, even electric, but it always seems to happen. I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking about just growing a beard. And trust me, that'd be one god awful beard. Joel, in all your glorious grooming wisdom, what can I do to solve this problem? Thanks, Scott. Oh, listen to that. Joel, you're going to give him the step-by-step methodology? Blow by blow. The scrape by scrap. Well, Scott, you came to the right man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you an impromptu shaving lesson, but I'm not going to do it right now because that will grind the show 
to a halt. Fast forward to the outtake section at the end of the podcast and you'll hear my impromptu shaving lesson. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the new question of the week. Rachel writes in and she says, who is your film character hero and why? Head on over to yeahitsthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice Bowl. And there's not really much of a connection between these two movies with the exception that they're sequels to big budget summer blockbusters. The movies are The Lost World, which is Jurassic Park 2, versus Men in Black 2. Tough choice. I don't know which movie I'd rather not see. Head on over to yasthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll for which movie you would like us to review. Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, or Men in Black 2. Okay, as for next week's movie, we've been getting a lot of requests from people asking us to do more movies that are on Netflix. So we decided to pick the Ashton Kutcher, Katherine Heigl classic, Killers, which is currently sitting at an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is kind of an interesting movie because it's kind of a ripoff or at least inspired by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So it should be interesting to compare the two. And you'll be able to play along with us at home if you have Netflix Instant. Once again, to recap, head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll for either Lost World or Men in Black 2. And tune in next week when we'll be reviewing Killers, starring Ashton Kutcher and Katherine Heigl. You can watch it at home on Netflix Instant. If you've already seen this movie, give us a call at 973-797-9324. Give us a call, leave us a little mini review, and we'll play it on the show. Oh, and before we go, I want to point out that many of our listeners have written in pleading with us to re-release the infamous episode 7, in which we received 100,000 one-star reviews on iTunes. It almost sank the show. And somebody sent us anthrax. Yeah, hate mail, letter (laughs) bombs. Yeah, it was a nightmare, total nightmare. The episode's so bad, I can't even stand to think about it. But people are very curious. They want to hear it because we keep talking about it. We keep bashing it. So I decided to bring it out of the closet for everybody to... You had no right to out that episode (laughs) in front of its family. (laughs) I'm bringing it out into the open. So once again, another Facebook exclusive. The episode seven, Gamer, is now available on our Facebook page in the bonus episode section. So if you want to hear it, just got to click that like button and you can hear us sound like total fools for your enjoyment. Yeah, we're off the handle on that. One. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> I don't remember noticing anything different in that episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was like over a year ago. You didn't remember it at all. Go go back into the archives and check out one I of the have, earlier. I have every episode on check my out, computer. Check, check out one of the earlier episodes and then compare it to like the episodes that are out now. It is like night and day. Shocking. Well, they're way worse. It's like getting no hit cap- with a shocker. How could a man get hit with a shocker? <laughs> 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 well, there you go. If you want to get more witty banter like that, head on over to <laughs> facebook.com slash she asked that bad. Click the like button where you'll have access to our bonus episodes, including the infamous episode seven and our bonus in time episodes starring Justin Timberlake. So thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you 
you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please tell all your friends about the show by heading on over to facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad, clicking the like button. You can also follow us on Twitter at yeahitsbad. You can follow Martin at yeahitsmartin, and you can follow Kevin at yeahitskev. You can listen to this show on your non-iTunes or Zoom devices via Stitcher at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Okay, Scott, here's my shaving technique very fast, very quickly. I know Martin here shaves with a dull, rusty, disposable piece of crap razor. I use the same Bic one for a week straight. You've been using since college. Yeah. You've never changed it. <laughs> I've never used shaving cream. And Kevin's an electric man, correct? Yeah, that's all I've ever used. Not I have the... never had shaving cream on my, <laughs> my baby face. But Kevin, that's unbelievable. You have baby smooth skin. I know. Some people are blessed. Maybe he's born with... It. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> okay, Scott, so here's my shaving tutorial, slightly abridged. So if you're going to shave, you got to get a decent razor. And by a decent enough razor, I mean, you got to get like a cartridge razor, like a Chic Quattro, which is what I use, or any other equivalent like that. It doesn't matter. Just get whatever it is that you like. Don't use a disposable razor because those are garbage. If you're going to shave, you have to shave after you take a shower because the heat from the water softens all the hair hairs on your face. That's critical for having an easy, smooth shave where it's not like tugging. If you're not going to shower, then you have to take a, a towel and dip it in hot water and put that on your face like a barber would do. After you step out of the shower, get your shaving cream, put it on your face, lather up, grab your razor, and I want you to take it, hold it in your hand lightly. Don't hold it like uh, a knife or, or something ridiculous like that. And when you go to shave your face, do short strokes top to bottom. Just short strokes go with the grain of the hair you know with the grain think of your face like facets of a diamond and shave like that like top to bottom with short strokes like that have like a light touch use only enough pressure that it just shaves the hair you're not scraping barnacles off a hole you know <laughs> off a pier here you know you're just do a light touch when you're done wash your face off with water relather up and this time I want to do a second pass with the razor across the grain so that's left to right again short strokes. Do that until you're satisfied that you have all the hairs nice and short. And then finally, if your face is too soft and you feel kind of irritated, you can stop now. But you should go all the way if you want to go the baby butt smooth shave like ice for 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> And the way to do this is that you have to go for a third pass with the razor. So wash um, your face again with uh, warm water, relather up, and this time you have to go against the grain. So that's from the bottom up, bottom to top. You know, once again, a light touch is critical here. Try not to cut yourself, you know, bottom to top, bottom to top, just against the grain of the hair. You know, the, the hairs on your neck, that's always going to be crazy because the hairs are going every which way. So do the best you can with that. But the hairs on your cheeks and your chin, that should be okay. It should be really nice and smooth. When you're done shaving, this is the, the critical key secrets here, is after you're done shaving, use cold water when you're done because all that hot water opened up the pores in your skin. You need to close them, and you do that with cold water. And that's one of the ways that you avoid getting all those bumps and stuff. So cold water on your face. When you're done with that, get some aftershave and put that on your face. I use the cheapest one that you can buy, which is Aqua Velva. I like that a lot. 
once the aftershave is dried, apply post-shave moisturizer. I use like Neutrogena post-shave balm or some crap like that. So there you go. Those are the steps. With the grain, across the grain, against the grain, cold water, aftershave, moisturize, and you're done. There you go. You're going to have the best shave of your life. How do you get to work on time? That sounds like a four-hour long ordeal. It takes me 10 minutes to do that process. That's a 10-minute process. And I shave before I go to bed every night. I don't shave in the morning. Oh, I shave in the morning. I should shower and shave all in the shower. All day. (laughs) (laughs) All day.